This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Praise the Lord. Good evening, everybody. I was wondering how I could factor in the crushing defeat of France tonight into my message. I thought of chomping down on a French croissant before I started my message, but I thought that would be inappropriate. But anyway, I see all of the Boca shirts out here, and we trust in God for a good victory. Amen. This evening, we back our team. I'm my Boca, my Boca. Praise the Lord. But now let's get into the Word first. I don't want to get you home too late, so you can get there in time to watch that crushing defeat I prophesied about. I hope this is not going to come back to bite me, Pastor Johnny. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's pray. Thank God I'm a teacher, not a prophet. But anyway, Father, we come before you this evening in the wonderful name of Jesus. Lord, as your word tonight is a call to action, I pray, Father, that faith would rise in every single heart. That your word, Lord God, would penetrate deep into our souls and into our spirits and compel us to be the kind of people that Jesus died for. Lord, that we'd be generous in every respect of our lives, generous with the gifts that you've given us, generous with the finances that you've blessed us with, generous with the joy and the love that you've so graciously poured out upon our lives. My prayer tonight simply is this, Lord God, that people would go into their workplace tomorrow completely changed, filled with the joy and love of Jesus that would just exude out of them, calling people to Christ. That is our goal, and we worship and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Well, I'll get to the title of my message a bit later. Um, you've heard this statement before, and I think you're going to hear it again and again and again, because it really is one of the driving forces behind Christian Family Church's existence. And it's simply this. Our ultimate purpose in life for each and every one of us should be to make a difference. Every single one of us here tonight, our ultimate purpose in life should be to make a difference, a difference in where we work, a difference in our families, a difference in our friend circle, and it must be a positive difference, not a negative difference. I remember some years ago, I was getting my hair cut. Um, the young lady that used to cut my hair back then, her name was Antonella. She was a good old Catholic girl, you know. She was Italian. Her whole family was Italian. Her dad had a boxing gym. But she was a pretty good stylist. And I remember the one day sitting there getting a haircut, and she began to tell me about how she had struggled with endometriosis. And the doctors had actually told her there was no chance that she would ever fall pregnant, that, she would, that it was just impossible. And so I said to her, I said to her, Antonella, I said, you know what, I believe Jesus can heal, can heal you. And she said, you do? I said, yes. And I shared a few stories of Christ's, Christ healing people. And so I said to her, do you believe that Jesus can heal you? She said, now I do. And I said to her, okay, while she was cutting my hair, I said, stop for a second. I said, just grab my hand. And I began to pray for her. I felt the power of God go out of me into her. She stumbled. Her eyes welled up with tears. And she said to me, she said to me, Andre, I felt something. I said, that was the healing power of Jesus. Needless to say, June was, Jude was born. Her son was born 11 months after I'd prayed for her. And so the Lord had completely healed her. But that's not the point I want to make. You, you can praise the Lord. Yes, praise the Lord. Uh, I believe, I believe that generosity is a thing in Christian circles that we've, that, we've, that we've kind of relegated to finances. You're a generous Christian if you're financially generous. But we need to be generous in every, freely we have received, freely we should give. I mean, the grace that is poured out upon us, the Bible says that we should be stewards of the manifold grace of God. 
And so I've been healed before, so I thought I'd be generous with the healing that Jesus provides, and she was healed. But she asked me this question. She said to me, she said, um, what do you want your legacy to be? And I remember straight away I said to her, I said, you know what, I don't just want to, when I die, I don't want to be missed by my family. I don't just want to be missed by my community. I don't just want to be missed by my church. I said to her, I want to be missed by my city at least, or missed by my country, and if not, even missed by the world. I remember walking out there thinking to myself, that's kind of arrogant, um, and never having received a scripture to confirm what I had said, I thought to myself, is it really important that the world remember me? But that's not what I was getting at. But you know, this is what legacy is. Legacy is a few things, but more specifically, it's what people say about you when you're gone. It's what people speak about at your funeral. What are the kinds of words that they say? If people are given time to give you a eulogy, what would they say about you? And what sort of legacy do you want to do you want to leave behind? And so legacy, first and foremost, is what people remember once we're gone. And I was saying to Antonella, I would really love the world to miss the contribution that I've made for the kingdom of God. And you know, the Bible says in Psalm 112, verses 5 and 6, listen to this. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. They will be remembered forever. It was only in preparation for this message that I realized that what I'd said to this young girl wasn't unscriptural. It wasn't out there because the Bible says that goodwill will come to those who are generous and lend freely. They will be remembered forever. By who? They will be remembered by people. But notice what the interesting qualification criteria is for a legacy that people will remember. In verse 5, it says, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. Say this, as a generous person, my legacy will be cemented. I will be remembered according to my generous spirit. So let me ask you, where are you? Where do you, where do you gauge yourself as far as being generous is concerned? Like many of you, have you confined or restricted your generosity to your giving? How generous are you with the grace of God? How generous are you with the gifts that the Lord has placed upon your life? How freely do you tell people about the love that has been so richly poured out upon your life? Are you generous with the good news of Jesus? So I really want to touch on that theme tonight and speak about being generous in so many more different areas of your life than just being financially generous. Now, legacy is not only what people will remember when you're gone, but more importantly, what God will remember when you're gone. How will God remember you? And I'll speak about this in a moment, but we're all going to stand before the Father one day. There's going to be two judgments. There's going to be the great white throne judgment, and then there's going to be the beamer seat of Christ, the judgment. And I'll speak more about that in a moment. But I want God to think back fondly of my life while I was here on earth. And this is what it says in Hebrews 6. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. Can everyone say work? So notice that it's not talking about prayer life. It's not talking about your faith. Over here it says God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him. How? As you have helped his people and continue to help them. 
Listen to this. Your legacy, as far as how to impress God on Judgment Day is concerned, is going to be how you served Him by serving others and continue to serve others. Service is not just a once-off act. You don't get to qualify to be a dream teamer for a couple of weeks and say, thank God my job is done. I've been dream team ready. I'm all this kind of readiness, but I'm got, I've got bored now. No, no. It's a continual thing that you continually serve. And so before I move on, just, just self-evaluate right now and say, listen, how am I doing in the serving God's children department? Because this scripture clearly tells us that you cannot serve God without serving those people who he died for. It's impossible. No man is an island. In actual fact, the more removed and isolated we become, the more selfish we become. And no one's immune to that. Even as a pastor, I know that. The more, rem- the more you remove yourself from relationships, the more you remove yourself from family, from people, and from church, whether it's because you were hurt or whatever the case may be, you, are, you naturally gravitate towards becoming more and more selfish. And that thing, let me tell you, needs to be crucified daily. That selfishness needs to be crucified daily. Turn with me to Romans chapter 14 and verses 10 through 12. Talking about legacy and the fact that we'll stand before God one day, this is what the NIV translation, Paul speaking, says. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? So here Paul is interjecting in an argument that's taking place between two believers. He's trying to sort them out and set the record straight. And he says, well, why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. This is not something that's taught about often, but it's something I think we should reflect reflect upon. I mentioned in this morning's service that this message was birthed out of four people that were given less than 30 days to live. And they were asked two questions. The first question was this. What are you doing now that you would stop doing if you knew you only had 30 days to live? And what would you start doing that you're not doing now if you knew you only had 30 days to live? This message was birthed out of that. Can you imagine being caught on the wanting side of the scale, and now only having 30 days to make up for where you think you and believe you failed God before. You see, when people have that short limit left, it changes your perspective. The kinds of things that you consider important, the kinds of things that you consider earth moving right now, all of a sudden pale in significance to the time you've got left and the treasure that you need to now store up in heaven. You see, we live on the earth. Our focus is on the earth. This message is dedicated to each and every one of us so that we can just lift our eyes for a second and become more eternally minded. The Bible says our life is but a vapor. It's there and gone. Tomorrow morning, I I double dog dare you. Boil your kettle and try and see how long you can keep an eye on a specific little particle of steam before it's gone. And hopefully God will remind us that that is actually how short your life is. So we talk about legacy. How do you want to be remembered? What you've earned, what you've built, the businesses you've amassed, the the wealth, the houses. What do you want to be remembered for? Because you see, ultimately, people won't judge us. They judge us now. But they won't be judging us in heaven. We'll be standing before the Father. And I don't know about you, but but I, 
I want to get it right. How many of you want to get it right? Amen. And let me tell you, as I stand before you today, I can honestly tell you, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. If I was given a death sentence in 30 days, I can promise you now, I know exactly what I would do differently. I know exactly what I would stop doing, and I know exactly what I would start doing. And this message is there to provoke all of us just as it has provoked me. You see, there is more to life than this life. We need to be eternity-minded. And it's okay to slip from that eternal mindset into a temporary mindset and to be consumed by the cares of this world. But it should not be there for a long period of time. We should always navigate our way back to our true north and say, listen, we are eternal beings. We stepped into eternity the moment we got saved. It's not something we have to wait for. Right now, we are eternal. So there is more to life than this life. It was Drake, the rapper, who trying to explain away irresponsible behavior came up with a slogan, YOLO. You know the YOLO word? How many of you, YOLO? You only live once. Trying to explain away responsibility. Listen, if it feels good, do it. You only live once. You know, if you're going to buy something, get into debt, get into debt properly, you only live once. Let it be the bank's problem. He sang, he rapped about it. Well, at least that's what Wikipedia says. I don't know who Drake is. Clive knows who Drake is. He almost went, amen, you know. But, but here's the truth, and I want to change YOLO to YOLT, Y-O-L-T. You only live twice. You don't only live once. You live twice. And the second life you live, which is in heaven, really is going to be determined on your priorities in this life that we live today. So if that hasn't cheered you up enough, let me cheer you up a little bit more. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 says this, man is destined to die. <laughs> Just in case you were really up, <laughs> Paul, there we go, Paul, awesome. He's obviously had a tough week, he can't wait to go be with Jesus. I would like to stick around a bit longer, but anyway. So man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, to face judgment. Now listen, our responsibilities as pastors over here, Apostle Theo, Pastor Greg, Pastor Johnny, Pastor Jenny, Clive, Paul, and myself, as we teach from this pulpit, one of our primary responsibilities is to, because we're eternal beings, is to get you ready to be able to stand before the Lord one day at judgment and get the, get the test right, to get the test right, to know what the answers are, because they are going to be asked, we're going to be asked questions when we stand before the Lord one day in the judgment. And if you don't believe me, you can turn with me right now, and we're going to check this out um, in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 and 12. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 and 12. But how many of you, knowing now that you're going to have to write a test or answer a question in heaven, would be grateful if you got the answers before you got there? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? Bible college students, imagine if Pastor Simone, in a moment of malady, the day before the test, clicked sent on an email and sent you all the answers to all the exams, exam papers. I mean, how many of you would go back and say, Pastor Simone, there must be an error here. You sent me the wrong email. Mum would be the word. You would do that, but after you've memorized all the answers. That's what you would do. You would humbly submit that an error was made. I can't be held responsible for all the answers that I memorized. So wouldn't it be great going into a test knowing what the answers are, right? So what I'm going to do this evening is I'm going to give you the answers to the test. 
Now that we know we're coming before the great white throne judgment and we're coming before the, the beamer seat of Christ, it's going to be important to know the question. So take a look at what Revelations 20 verses 11 and 12 says. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat and him who, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. If you have your Bible, you want to put a circle around books. Notice it's plural. And books were opened. Take a look at the next verse. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So this great white throne judgment is going to pose this question to everybody. Now, the great white throne judgment is not something we need to be concerned about because we've accepted Jesus. But what the Lord is telling us over here, this is the question that's going to be posed at the great white throne judgment. What did you do with my son, Jesus? That's going to be God's question to you. What did you do with my son Jesus? And notice the Bible says at the great white throne judgment, there's a pile of books and then there's a book. So what's the difference? The book is the Lamb's book of life. Everyone that is born again and received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they are going to appear in the book. For those who have not accepted Jesus Christ, what they have done and the sins committed in the flesh are recorded in the book. That is going to be opened and they are going to be judged according to the sins that they have committed so that they know full well why they are going to hell. I don't want to be found and measured against the books. I want to be in the book. Uh, praise. Can someone say praise the Lord? Because the Bible says that your sins are blotted out. Even if God needed to go to the books to see what you've done wrong, because your name is in the book, your name is out of the books. And tonight, if you do not know Jesus at the close of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to have everything you've ever done that is listed in heaven in the books, blotted out by Jesus Christ himself, and your name to be written in the Lamb's book of life. Turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 to 23. This is what it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That is such a scary thought. But only to the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Look at this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons? Do you know what sort of faith and revelation of authority it takes to drive out demons? If you can imagine, you saw that video this morning, Pastor Theo driving out those demons out of that woman that was, that was sexually abused by demons, driving them out. Jesus is speaking to people that even got that right. People who understood their authority in Christ that they could cast out demons. He says, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly. I never knew you. So when that question is posed to us at the great white throne judgment, what did you do with my son Jesus? Here is the correct answer. I'm giving it to you. 
Remember it, jot it down, put it down in your Bible, highlight it, underline it, embolden it, italicize it, increase the font size to like 30. You get my meaning. This is the answer. I knew him personally. I knew Jesus personally. You're not going to stand at the great white throne judgment and say, Lord, but you remember that, that Sunday morning at church when Pastor Theo cast that demon out that video. I cast a whole bunch of demons out. Of, do you remember that day? Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. The first answer is, Father, because I knew Jesus personally. You can't fake that because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. So don't think you can get away with it. He's not going to the bathroom or on a coffee break and like judge yourself and position yourself in the queue until you see when Jesus is not there and you come and stand before the Father because I knew him. Because he'll shout from the bathroom, I never knew him. Let's make sure. Let's make sure we know Jesus, okay? You can see the kind of person I am. I'll try and duck and dive. But anyway, I never knew him personally. Now, the second judgment is the beamer seat of Christ. And now this is the question that is going to be asked, the second question for which I'm going to give you the answer to, that is going to be asked as we stand before the beamer seat of Christ in order to get our rewards for what we've done. Now hang on, I know many of you are thinking, Pastor Andre, I'm not doing this for any sort of reward. If my reward is salvation, well good, I'll take whatever you're not going to take. Because the Bible says over here in 2 Corinthians, for we must all appear before the judgment seat or the beamer seat of Christ. Now, the beamer really is just an elevated platform. If you can imagine, it's almost like a, uh, it's almost like a, a judge at the Olympic Games getting ready to give out prizes for first, second, and third place. So the judgment, and let me just say this, if you haven't got the first question right, you're not going to make the second judgment. You don't get to the beamer seat. You don't get the rewards. If you don't get the first question right, I knew Jesus, you're not going to be standing in the queue for the beamer seat of Christ. So it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him. Say this, the Bible says that something is owed to me. That's what it says. It says here, what is due him what is owed to you for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad? Bump your neighbor and say, hey, I'm in for a reward. Bump your neighbor and say, listen, I wasn't expecting it, but now I'm looking forward to it. Because Jesus says that the good I did while I was in the body, I'm getting rewarded for. This is the beamer seat of Christ. Matthew 16, verse 27, it says, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person. Now that word in the Greek more accurately translated simply means to pay you back. You could read that scripture, to pay you back. He will reward each person or pay each person back according to what he or she has done. That's good news. Amen. And behold, in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, 
And behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me. Don't you love Jesus? You know, he does things so intentionally. He's saying, listen, I'm so looking forward to rewarding you for living the generous life in the flesh while you're on the earth. I can't wait for you to get to heaven for me to give it to you. Your reward is coming with me. I can't wait to give it to you. When you meet me, the first thing I want to do is I want to give you your reward. Don't we serve a wonderful Lord? Amen? I mean, if that doesn't motivate us to invest into eternal things more than anything else, I mean, come on, we know what Jesus is not going to reward us for. And he's not going to reward us for paying off our bond any sooner. It's going to be freedom for us while we're on this earth. But he wants us to store up lumber. He wants us to store up treasure in heaven. And every single rand that we invest, every soul we save, every person we serve is going and being accrued towards an account that Jesus is saying, God, I just want to, I need to get them the rewards. Don't we serve a wonderful Lord? How bump your neighbor and say, listen, I'm getting my rewards. So it says this, he says, and my reward is with me to give to everyone, look at this, according to his work. So the question posed at the beam of seat of Christ for those of us who are born again is what did you do with what I gave you? And this is gonna be your answer. I used what you gave me to make an eternal difference. Not a temporary difference, but an eternal difference. Jesus, I use the gifts that you gave me. I use the finances that you gave me to store up treasure in heaven because you promised that you will reward me for all the good works that I have done in the flesh. If I had to title this message something, I would entitle it this, The Eternal Rate of Investment. The eternal rate of investment. We know what rate of investment is or rate of return is. But today we focused on eternity. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. Jesus encourages us and he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Because moths and rust get to them and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in. Can you imagine as South Africans when we get to heaven one day not having to close the sliding door, close the, close the, the trellis doors, go outside, activate the alarm, wait to see that no, can you imagine how much, we can have so much time in heaven, eh, Pastor Johnny? I mean, right now, pushing 14 buttons. This activates that one, this camera, this one, app here, looking at, it's wonderful to know that thieves are not going to heaven. Can someone say amen? And before you say amen, I hope you all tie this. I just thought I'd throw that in there. So he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So you ask this question, Pastor Andre, how do I live my life to make sure that I'm ready for this moment that we're speaking about? If the gavel gets knocked tonight and my time is up and I have to answer, how, how do I live rapture ready? How do I live ready to meet the Lord? Well, and this is another message title I think I could put there, simply this, be intentional. Be intentional with your life. Don't let life happen by chance. Let it happen by choice. 
You see, your life can either happen by chance or it can happen by choice. I'm saying be intentional. And the first, and I'm going to leave you with three areas of intentionality before I close my message this evening that I believe you need to focus on. Number one, I believe it's important when you give to give intentionally. I've learned through being born again for over 35 years, that when I throw my seed, guess what? I can't remember what field that seed was planted in, and very seldom do I wonder if I'm ever going to get a return on it. You see, we're not to throw our seed. We are to sow our seed. The Bible says we are sowers, not throwers. And I want to encourage you from tonight onwards, you're never just going to take, dig in your pocket, take out 100 bucks and put in the offering. No, no, no. You better put a name on it. Put a name on your seed because you know exactly then what to expect as a harvest. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 11. It says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. I was having lunch with Uncle Ivan at a wedding, dinner with Uncle Ivan at a wedding last week, um, last Saturday evening, and he said something that shocked me. He said to me, Pastor Andre, do you know that the Christians that come to that waffler are the stingiest and the worst tippers that I've ever experienced in my years in the restaurant industry, Pastor Johnny. He says the people over there, you would swear that the tip, that the fees are included, they don't tip the waiters. He says Christians, and I'm saying to you, Christian Family Church, and for those of you watching online, we need to up our game. We need to up our game. The minimum tip we give someone is 10%. The normal tip we give someone is 20%. If we can do 30, let's be generous. I'm talking about being intentionally generous. And I know it's going to be difficult sometimes, but Lord have mercy, never let a restaurant owner in a church make that kind of statement. And he served at Sun City. He was a caterer. He was a restaurant manager. He says, I've never known worse tippers than here at Christian Family Church. Jesus, help us. Lord, help us. And this is what it goes on to say, rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, you remember last week, I did the tithes and offerings message, and I mentioned my personal testimony of sitting there during celebration. And um, it was Jerome Liberty that was ministering, and I think the other person was Pastor Nikki. And they spoke about their houses and how they paid their houses off. And I think it was Jerome Liberty that said, listen, if you don't have enough money, sow a seed for a greater seed. And so what I did was I calculated and combined my bonds. I've got two bonds outstanding, and I divided it by 100, and I realized I don't have that kind of seed available. But then the Lord spoke to me and said, Andre, sow a seed to grow a seed to meet your need. Sow a seed to grow your seed to meet a need. So I said, I said to the Lord, okay, how much do you want me to sow? I divided it by 100 again, and it was still a substantial amount, and I wrote it on the envelope. I wrote it on the envelope, and I committed to doing it, and then I said to Pastor Christine, I said to her, babe, the Lord has instructed me to sow a seed. How much should this seed be? I'm sowing intentionally. Listen, intentionality. We're talking about being ready. And she gave me an amount and I opened the envelope. It was the exact amount that I had written on it. And I promise you now, if I'd asked her another hundred times to guess that she wouldn't have got it right. I knew it was God. And so I shared that testimony on Monday. Pastor Johnny, I didn't share this with the management team. But on Monday, I got this message. Hello, Dr. Andre. I want to share this testimony with you. Yesterday, you spoke about sowing a seed for a seed and about pay, paying off your bonds. We have two bonds too, and I calculated that the smaller bond seed, debt divided by 100, would be 7,000 rand. And that's rounded up. It's probably around 6,300 rand. 
So I asked God, what should I sow to get that seed? And then he said, divide by 100 again. So I, showed, so I sowed 100 rand yesterday during that AM morning service, sitting in the mother's room. Today, I received a payment of 6,500 rand. And I spoke to my husband and told him what was going on and that we were both in agreement that this 6,500 rand is the seed that we need to sow in order to pay off our bond. The money didn't even, listen, the, the money didn't even sit in my account for 15 minutes. I immediately knew what um, I, need, I immediately knew what needed to be done. I know that the bond is paid off and it is um, a passive income for us. Thank you for sharing the personal testimony. But here you've got a person who sowed with intentionality. So the first key, in order to live ready and to be a generous person, learn to sow intentionally. I don't know who it was that said this, but the quote is quite profound. He says, if you don't tell your money where to go, you'll wonder where it went. If you don't tell your money where to go, you will wonder where it went. Now, there are five things that we can do with money. And this comes out of a tremendous book written by Ron Blue. It's called Master Your Money. I thank the Lord that for the most part of my life, I've been pretty good with money. My mom was extremely frugal. She was the kind of woman that hid money under mattresses. When I earned my first paycheck, I was working at the hub in Amanzam Toti. I worked the entire December, I earned 143 rand. My mom made sure I went to the trust bank and opened a subshare account. How many of you are old enough to remember subshare accounts? She opened a subshare account and she made my pocket money get paid into that five rand every week and that money that I earned, I put in there. So I've learned to save. I've learned to have a healthy respect and almost a fear for debt. But this man, Ron Blue, says this. There are five things you can do with money. Number one, you can spend it. Number two, you can repay debt. Number three, you can pay taxes. Number four, you can save it. And number five, you can give it. But here is the problem. You see, when you spend it, it says, me first. When you repay debt, it says, creditors are second. When you pay taxes, it says, government third. When you save it, it says me fourth. And when, then when, finally, when you get to giving it, you're saying others should be, should be lost. We cannot live this way. It goes against Scripture. And here's a verse for you in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. It says, on the first day of every week, each one should set aside a sum of money. Each week, in keeping with your income, save it. So that when I come, no, I won't need to play you fancy AVs of children dying in Africa to try and motivate you and tug on your heartstrings to give. I won't have to pull out any fancy tricks to make you feel compelled to sow and to empty the pocket that you weren't planning to empty anyway. He says this, set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. I'll never forget when I was a young appy in South African Airways. The first thing we would do when we got our pay slips, our transnet pay slips, we'd check our overtime and calculate it. And I remember my average pay was about 920, 929 rand a month. I'd sit around the table with all these appies that were with me. And the, the, the first thing they would do is see what kind of car they could afford. We'd write out our budgets on the table and I would write out my budget and the very first thing on my budget was my tithes and offerings. And then I had this Portuguese friend who worked with me. His name was Jose Manuela Gouveia Portela. His name was Jose Manuela Gouveia Portela. So anyway, Jose Manuela Gouveia Portela looked over and noticed my budget. And he says, hey, bro, what's a tiff? 
What's a tith and what's an offering? I said to him, Jose, I said, that's God's portion of my income. He says, you mean to tell me you give that much money? I mean, 920 rand, a tithe is what, 90 bucks? You give that, but you could afford a car back then with 90 bucks. I'm giving away my age. He says, you mean to tell me you give that much money to the church? I said, no, no, no. What I give is an offering. That's what I return because that belongs to God. I said, how are you doing in your relationship with God? At that point, he got up and went and bought something to eat. But, but when I talk about, so this first thing I'm saying, give with intentionality. Set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Saving it up. Get ready. Be generous. The second area that you need to be intentional is, is your area of service. And we speak about this ad nauseum at Christian Family Church. It's not because we want cheap labor. We want free labor. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we don't want cheap labor. We don't want free labor. We want to create an opportunity for you to live out your acts of service. You sleep better at night, man, when you've greeted 150 people walk into this church. I mean, an elderly lady came in here today. She was standing at the check-in counter. She hasn't been in this church since Elan's Fontaine days. She must have been in her late, I think her name was Eileen. She was in her late 70s. I just happened to be walking past, and one of the dream teamers said to me, Hey, Pastor Andre, come over here quickly. This lady hasn't been in this church for nearly 30 years. She was in this church when it was planted back in 79. And she attended for a few years. She hasn't been back. So I, I engaged in a conversation with her. But I couldn't help but thinking, I was so grateful for this dream teamer. I was so grateful that they've been trained well. That she looked at me and she said, Pastor Andre, this is a person. She said to me, Pastor Andre, I knew she would love to see you because chances are you've been in the church long enough. And I engaged her, hugged her, welcomed her. And I don't know if she's here tonight, but I'm sure she really enjoyed the service. You sleep better at night when you've served in the house of God and served the children of God. I want to challenge you. Are you serving with intentionality? Or is all your intentional service geared towards yourself? Becoming debt-free, becoming more comfortable, freeing up more of your time so you can spend it with your family. How's that going to pan out when we stand before Jesus one day? Folks, let me tell you what's happening in Israel right now is prophetic fulfillment. Jesus is coming back very, very soon. We don't have any time to waste. We can't play snakes and ladders. We need to knuckle down and we need to get the basics right so we can stand before the Lord one day boldly with our shoulders back and say, Lord, I gave intentionally. I served intentionally. Look at what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 through 19. Tell them, not ask them. I like Paul. He's bold. <laughs> he says, tell them, not ask them, not apologetically. Oh, well, if you'd like to give. He doesn't say this. He says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need, always ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, they'll be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. The giving and service are the only safe investments for eternity. And I'm going to close with the third one. Finally, speaking about intentionality. What is the third area we need to be intentional in, in our lives? And this is, we need to intentionally share Christ. We need to intentionally share the love of Jesus. Listen to me. When you go into the workplace, you are a carrier of the power and the grace of God. 
everything anybody needs around you in your circle has been deposited on the inside of you by the power of the Holy Ghost. You are a walking solution to every single person's problems. The challenge is we get so bogged down with our own sometimes, we forget that we are carriers of the manifold grace of God. And this is our responsibility. We need to be intentional. James chapter 5 verses 19 through 20 says this. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. You know what you've been given? If you doubt your ministry, the ministry you've been given by Jesus himself is a ministry of reconciliation. The concluding verse I want to share with you today is in Luke chapter 15 and verse 10 from the message translation. It says, count on it as we bring people back to Jesus. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. You can count on it. Now let me tell you, if you've ever doubted whether Christian Family Church is a place to sow into, we have caused in heaven just this year over 3,000 separate individual parties for the 3,000 people that have got born again just in this campus here in Christian Family Church, Johannesburg. Can somebody shout and give God praise? Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you. 3,000 people. Take a look at this auditorium. I think it seats 3,400. We're 400 people short of filling this auditorium between the beginning of this year and now with new souls that have come to Jesus, that represent new families that are coming to Jesus, that represent new, new friends that are coming to Jesus. You can invest into the kingdom through service and through your giving, and the Lord will honor you. Let me say this, folks, in closing. You will never miss what you invest into eternity. You will never miss it. What you invest on this earth, you may miss it, but you won't miss what you invest in eternity. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you are here today, and you say to me, Pastor Andre, those two judgment seats that you spoke about, I didn't have the right answers. I didn't have the right answers if I was called to give an account. I don't know Jesus. Well, I want to I help you tonight. I want to help you in the sense that I want every single sin that has been recorded since the time you were born in those books to the left hand of God. I want them to be blotted out and I want your name to be written into the Lamb's book of life. And it's not complicated. It's gonna cost you everything though. It's gonna cost you your life. It's gonna cost you saying, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I've messed up, I've done it my own way. I'm surrendering my life to you. And I wanna lead you in a prayer this evening. You know who you are. The Lord is already ministering to you. He's tugging on your heart. So if you are here and you know your heart is not right with God, if you did not have the answer right to that question and you were hoping that God would let you in because 50% of your life has been good and only 50% bad, it won't do, friend. It won't do. Your name needs to be written in the Lamb's book of life. 
So I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you and ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to come to where you are. But if you want, if you want to enter into heaven, if you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life tonight at the count of three, I want you to raise your hands. One, two, three, right now. Raise your hand high in the air. I see that hand over there, sir. Please keep your hand raised. Do it boldly. I see that hand over there, young lady. Keep your hand raised high in the air. Say, Pastor Andre, please pray for me. I want to be rapture ready. I want to be ready to meet the Lord. I want to start being intentional with my life from this moment forward. I want to intentionally give. I want to intentionally serve. And I want to intentionally shine the light for Jesus. If that's you, the count of three, raise your hand. I'm going to count one more time. One, two, three, right now. Raise your hand. I'm going to ask, please, if workers right now wouldn't go make their way, and they're just coming to agree with you in prayer. They're going to place their hand on your shoulder. So please now, for the sake of those that raise their hands, please, everyone, pray this prayer after me. Everyone, let's say this prayer together, especially those that raise their hands. Let's say this. Heavenly Father, let's start again. Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, I know I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory and of your standard. But tonight, I declare with my mouth that I believe Jesus died for me and paid the price for my sin. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save my life. I promise from this day forward to love you and to serve you, to be intentional in my giving, in my service, and in winning others for Christ. Thank you for saving me. Now, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, please listen to this promise from God's Word. He says, to as many as have received Him, to them He gave the power to become the sons of God. Listen to me, folks. That simple prayer, you can look at me for a moment. That prayer you've just prayed, Christ Himself, for whom nothing is impossible, has instantaneously blotted out every wicked and evil action and thought from the books that are recorded on his left-hand side, and he's inscribed your name into the Lamb's book of life. You have received eternal life as a free gift, and you are heaven-bound, and that is the good news of the cross of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's give God one great praise and hallelujah. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Dot com.